was a children's catechism class in a church, and they were learning the Apostles' Creed. And each child had been assigned a sentence to, uh, to memorize and then present. And the first one got up and said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then the, the, the next, it was time for the next uh, student, and, uh, and he got up and said, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, and, and went through the, that, that whole section. And, and then when he had, had completed his section and sat down, there was just kind of silence. And everybody kind of looked around and started muttering a little bit. And finally, one child in the back said, Teacher, the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here today. Uh, the question is today, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Spirit. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? Some some people use the term Holy Ghost, right? And uh, and it, 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 maybe this is some sort of weird paranormal thing that we're uh, uh, that that's in the in the church of. I mean, a lot of times, or people find it easier to believe in. God, or at least the existence of a of a power. Uh, 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 they, they say, uh, loosely anyway, over eighty percent of Americans still believe that there is some type of God. So, so uh, maybe the, the the concept of God is is is. Uh, Maybe easy, easier to believe in. Then there's Jesus, and and uh, we've we've heard the stories about Jesus, and we we uh, we can read about the actual things that he did, and people that were right there with him, and and uh, and then we get to the Holy Spirit, and things maybe it's a little harder to get our minds wrapped around this Holy Ghost stuff, right? No one has ever seen him or touched him, and. Some have claimed experience, experiences with the Holy Spirit that maybe seem a little out there to a lot of us, and, and uh, we might go, ah, I don't know about this Holy Spirit stuff, right? Uh, in church circles, we know that the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples on the day of Pentecost, uh, which we will commemorate next Sunday. So it's 50 days after uh, Easter each year, but the, the, the Holy Spirit is also mentioned, not just at that point. It's not that the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, oh, now there's this spirit thing. The Holy Spirit uh, is, is mentioned through, literally throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, from the very beginning at creation, uh, before creation the Holy Spirit was present. All through Scripture, the Holy Spirit inspired people and, and gave them words to say and provided strength for them to overcome certain situations and, and, and gave prophecies to prophets so they could prophesy, right? They, the Holy Spirit was active in all that. So, so I guess I thought it, it would be good for us to spend a couple of weeks centered around this, uh, this, concept, this, this uh, holiday of Pentecost, uh, reminding ourselves who the Holy Spirit is and, and, and what he does, because maybe we don't, uh, we don't always sense that or focus on it. The first thing we need to know is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Uh, he's not any less Godish, I guess, godlike than the Father and the Son. I mean, we we talk about the Trinity, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then, so we refer to the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity, right? And uh, the that may sound like, well, he's third important, or it's you know God's really God, and then Jesus, yeah, we got, and then the Holy Spirit is just kind of this afterthought. It, it, that's not it at all. It's not a hierarchy. Uh, the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the others, right? It's 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 a package deal. Uh, he is he is fully God. We also need to real, realize that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. Uh, it's not like the force. 
from Star Wars, right? Uh, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, uh, it's it, it not just a power to be tapped into or used. I, I still, uh, man, when the kids were little, I would uh, uh, go up to the doors at Walmart and, and go, and they, you know, they'd open and I'd pretend I had the, the force, right? The power. They, we had the, 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 the st- and there may be times I still do that, whether anybody's with me or not. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, is, he is a person uh, to be related to, not a force or a power to be tapped into, to be used, right? He's a person. Uh, and, and it's really, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's not all that crazy. The Holy Spirit, maybe we can think about it this way. The Holy Spirit is simply the essence of Jesus who has been given to those who believe. It, it, it's as if Jesus were still here, but in spirit, not in body. Christians believe that that we have the very power of God, the very presence of God, the person of God dwelling with us and inside of us. Now, it it could be that you're you're sitting here today or you're logging in online and you're going, yeah, Holy Spirit, got that, Pastor, thanks. Uh, I've, I've heard all this before. And and in reality, maybe I won't tell you anything, any facts that are new today. I I, however, resonate with, uh, uh, with the sentiments of A.W. Tozer in his little book entitled, How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says this, I don't hope to tell you very much that is new. I only hope to set the table for you, arranging the dishes a little better and a little more attractively so that you will be tempted to partake. Many of us have have grown up on the theology that accepts the Holy Spirit as a person and even as a divine person, but for some reason, it never did us any good. We're as empty as ever. We're as joyless as ever. We are as far from peace as ever. We are as weak as ever. What I want to do is tell you the old things, but while I'm doing it, to encourage your heart to make them yours now. And to walk into the living, throbbing, vibrant heart of them. So that from here on, your life will be altogether different. Wow. Maybe it's because we have trouble understanding this whole spirit stuff. But, but uh, down through the years and, and, uh, and in scripture, we see a lot of different pictures of, uh, of the Holy Spirit to help us understand uh, who he is and how he relates to us and how we relate to them. Uh, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words, so all I'm going to do, usually these, uh, if, if my, uh, my uh, counter on my Word documents are correct, usually my sermons are about 2,500 words, so I'm going to show you two and a half pictures, we're going to pray and go home, right? I think that makes sense. No. Uh, there are, there are several pictures that I think help us to get a grasp of who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, the first one is fire. The Holy Spirit is like fire. And, uh, and, and then we learn a lot from each one of these. So I want us to, to look at several over the next, uh, this week and next week, to look at these, these images or pictures and then how that, how that we can relate to or, or experience and know the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is like these, these pictures. So the Holy Spirit is like fire. God's presence is in scripture is, is, is described as, uh, or he's like fire, uh, a lot of different times. God is present, uh, was present in the burning bush, Moses, right? He found himself standing on holy ground and God was there in the fire in the burning bush. God was also in the, the pillar of fire that, that led and watched over the ch- children of Israel in the, in the wilderness as Moses uh, was leading them. In Matthew 3.11, 
John the Baptist described Jesus to the people, saying that one day he would, quote, baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then on the day of Pentecost, we saw it there uh, in, the, in the video, the, the, the Holy Spirit appeared like tongues of fire. What is the significance of the Holy Spirit as fire? Well, one thing that the fire does is that it consumes just last week, uh, a week ago yesterday, I guess, we were, a uh, few of us were here on a Saturday finishing up a couple of things outside and uh, we, we were uh, finishing up the mulch. I think Sean was mowing and, and uh, uh, we, were, uh, we were getting stuff together. Right after we started the mulch, uh, Chris uh, says, you know, Pastor, I, I brought my propane torch. Do you want to see what we can do to that pile of scrap wood out there by the fire pit? And to be honest, I didn't really hear anything after he said propane torch. So uh, uh, I, was, I was all in, and uh, we, we went over to the wood pile. Chris showed me how to, to operate the thing, and, and uh, I mean, it was go time, and, and we, we took care of that rather quickly. Uh, we got that going, uh, caught pretty quick. Less than an hour later, went over there. It's just all just ashes and, and heat, and it just, it just ate it all up. It was, uh, it was great. And, and so I, it's a consuming... I, just the latest picture, I guess, in my mind of, of a consuming fire. That stuff's just gone now. It's just, just uh, barely ashes. God is described, described as a consuming fire uh, clear back in Deuteronomy in, uh, in the Old Testament. That passage in Deuteronomy emphasizes the jealousy of God and the judgment of God, not wanting his people to sin or to follow other gods. Several other times when that term is used to describe God, it's all about consuming, but cons- not consuming us, but consuming sin, right? So, so seeing the Holy uh, Spirit as a consuming fire uh, helps us to see his attitude towards sin and his desire to, con- uh, to consume that sin uh, in our lives, to, to destroy it. He doesn't want to consume us. He wants to. Uh, he just wants to consume anything in our lives that doesn't look like him. And that's why the author of Hebrews tells us to quote worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The Holy Spirit is not to be taken lightly. Uh, we must treat him with the same respect and awe that we might treat uh, a, a, a fire burning, burning, uh, burning hot and heavy. Right. So, so the Holy Spirit is a fire, means that he consumes, he consumes sin in our life. It, it also, uh, another thing that fire does is that it purifies. Back in days gone by, somebody had an injury, many times they would, they would uh, cauterize the wound, right? They would uh, burn it or sear it in order to stop the bleeding, and, and that also killed infection. And, and uh, uh, also in, in the medical field, uh, they would, they would uh, uh, get the instruments that are used for surgery, and they would, they would uh, place them in a flame to burn off any germs that might be, be present, sterilize them. They still uh, do that uh, in, a, in, a, in an environment where it, it uh, gets so hot and sterilizes uh, those, uh, those instruments. Fire is also used to, to get the impurities out of precious metals. So the metal is heated up to the boiling point and, and all the impurities rise to the top and then you can scrape those off the, off the top. But because of the heat, you can, you can make it pure. The fire of the Holy Spirit brings purity. It gets rid of sin. It, it, it makes us more like God. Uh, in Isaiah 6, 7, uh, an angel touched Isaiah's lips with a live coal. And, and he said, see, this, this has touched your lips 
your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. The fire of the Holy Spirit not only consumes, it also purifies. And then another thing that fire does is that it softens. Back in pioneer days, an essential part of a community out on the prairie was a blacksmith. Uh, they couldn't do a whole lot if they didn't have somebody that was willing to be the, the smithy, right? Uh, they they'd got, get a hot fire going and, and he'd form tools and, and horseshoes and, and all sorts of things. They, they, they say that a good blacksmith's fire gets up to around 3,500 3, degrees. And that fire is uh, when it literally when you put uh, solid iron in, it melts it enough to make it moldable and it can be shaped into uh, whatever useful thing uh, needs, needs to be made. It's, it's a great picture. I guess it, it, in my mind, it goes back to uh, last week we talked about the potter, the, the, the clay on the potter's wheel and how we're molded and shaped. Same, same kind of concept only with, with metal, but the only way it can be molded and shaped is when it's affected by the fire, right? And, and it's, it's softened, that, that metal is softened and, and so when the Holy Spirit invades our lives, uh, he softens us to the things of God. He allows us to be molded and shaped by the master craftsman into a tool that he can use. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit can soften and shapen us. And another thing that, that happens with that blacksmith is that, that uh, uh, what he makes then is, is strengthened or stronger than it was before. Uh, it, it's the, the, the idea of tempering the metal. Uh, certain metals, you heat them up and then you, you cool them down real fast. They stick them in a bucket of water and, uh, and, and those metals are stronger than they were before. Uh, they're, they're hardened, they're, they're uh, tempered in that process and and a big effect of the Holy Spirit is to give us strength and power. Uh, It's what Jesus promised those disciples in in Acts chapter one, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to witness there, right? Uh, To be bold and proclaim the gospel of Jesus wherever they went. In second Corinthians, the apostle Paul spoke about that power. Uh, For for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, They have power to demolish strongholds. The Holy Spirit provides strength and power to overcome the evil influences in the world and in our lives. Uh, Paul also says in in Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Divine power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to those who believe through the Holy Spirit. He brings power and we see that in this image of fire. Even, even Peter in his uh, second letter that we have in the, uh, toward the end of the New Testament, it says his, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us uh, by his own glory and goodness. When we say, oh, I can't be good, I can't live that, we're, we're denying the power that God has given us because he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. The power of God enables us to live godly lives. The image of the Holy Spirit as fire signifies the power that, we, that, that, uh, that, that, that is available as we allow ourselves to be strengthened by his presence in our lives. All of those are pretty, uh, uh, I don't know, dramatic pictures, I guess, of what fire is and what fire can do. And, uh, uh, and yet I think we also need to recognize that not only does fire purify and soften and strengthen and consume, 
It also brings uh, warmth and cheer, right? Uh, There's something, uh, there's comfort that the Holy Spirit brings. He's literally called several times in scripture, our comforter, right? Uh, Gather around the the fireplace on a cold winter's night or or a campfire out in the woods or or even just the fire ring in your backyard and it's a place where you want to be. It's the place where conversations happen and, and where the food gets hot and stories get shared and, and good times are had and fire can bring warmth and comfort. All of that describes the Holy Spirit. He is like fire. He not only roots out sin and evil and convicts us and purifies us, he also brings encouragement and strength and comfort and peace The Holy Spirit is a fire for us. Another image, maybe this is the image that comes to mind first, and that is the image of a dove. And we have that image uh, in in Scripture several different places when we think about the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Uh, All four Gospels uh, refer to the Holy Spirit being present in the form of a dove at the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Uh, in, In Luke it says, And the Holy Spirit came down in bodily shape like a dove on him, uh, emphasizing this was more than just a vision that, that John had or some flowery poetic way of saying what, what happened there. But, but, but literally this dove came down and it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, it seemed to be this physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit that could be seen by people around. So, so why a dove? Well, uh, the, the dove is an emblem of purity and harmlessness. In Matthew 10, 16, uh, Jesus tells his followers to be innocent as doves. So it, it seems like even in the culture back then, a dove was seen as something that was innocent and pure and harmless. So, so part of the symbolism of emphasizing uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is a dove is that he's pure and innocent. And, and that is the same spirit that, that characterized Jesus as he lives here on earth. Another time we see a dove in scripture is during the flood, uh, Noah's Ark, uh, Genesis uh, 6, 7, and 8. Noah uh, sent out a dove in order to discern whether the waters had come down enough that they could, uh, uh, they could uh, disembark from the, from the ark. And so uh, the dove returned with an olive branch in its mouth, and uh, that has come to be the universal symbol inside and, out the, and outside of the church, uh, a symbol for peace, right? A dove with an olive branch. The image of a a dove represents the spirit of God bringing good news of peace and reconciliation between God and humanity. The flood is over. Now we can get on with life uh, with God. Uh, As as this dove rested on Jesus, he was also emphasized at his his, uh, 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 baptism. It also emphasized the message of peace with God. Doves are also found in scripture when it comes to sacrifice. Uh, Jesus' parents, uh, Mary and, and Joseph, offered two doves when they dedicated him at the temple uh, right after he was born. When, when the Holy Spirit uh, rested on Jesus at his baptism, he was, he was preparing the way for Jesus' sacrifice. Immediately after his baptism, the Spirit led him into the desert for a time of testing and sacrifice and self-denial. When the Holy Spirit enters our lives, we need to realize that he is the way that we can experience peace with God. He's pure and innocent, and he calls us to a life of sacrifice and surrender. Not, not just following our own ambitions, but the desires for God, uh, uh, the desires of God for our lives. The Holy Spirit is a fire. 
The Holy Spirit is a dove. And the Holy Spirit is like air. That's those little lines. Actually, there's a couple of ways that, that, that we see he's like air. Uh, the first is breath. So uh, uh, the, the, the Holy breath represents life. If something is breathing, it's alive. No breath, no life. I think, I think our daughter Claire was about two and a half-ish. And uh, one evening I took her to the grocery store. I don't know whether uh, maybe she just needed to get out and about or maybe I needed to get out and about or maybe Rebecca said, take her with you. I don't know what, what happened there, but, uh, but, but I went to the, the grocery store and, and the, it just so happened that night the store was having a little promo of sorts. I remember a table up front and some balloons and they had a basket of candy. And uh, I mean, you walk past candy with a two and a half year old, you're probably getting a piece, right? Uh, and so, uh, of course... I got a piece too, and uh, so we got the candy, and uh, Claire's piece just happened to be a a round piece of hard candy, I think it was grape, and uh, it was, uh, you know, she was loving that as we scooted around the aisles, and she's sitting in the cart, you know, and we're going and and, uh, grabbing whatever we needed to grab that. I I remember uh, I was in the frozen food section when I realized that Claire was starting to choke. That wonderful piece of grape goodness had melted down just enough to fit right down her little throat and block her airway. And she was gasping. And I went to the front, and they called a squad because I didn't have, well, we didn't know what a cell phone was back then. Maybe we did. The rich people had the cell phones back then. But uh, uh, anyway, I remember literally sticking my fingers down her throat to try to, try to hook it out, and I couldn't get it. And, and I knew if she couldn't breathe soon that... that things were not going to end well and it wasn't going to be good and the squad wasn't there yet and and right at that time a uh, a soldier uh, from the uh, from the army base that was just up the road uh, just happened to be shopping there that night too and and he saw what was going on quickly uh, and and offered his services and and said man I I think I can help uh, do you trust me to do that and I said whatever you can do and I don't remember what he did but I know that seconds after he got her uh, she was breathing again and he got that dislodged from her throat and, and I mean she was crying but she was breathing and I, I, it, was, it was great that she was crying and I'm pretty sure I was crying and uh, uh, pretty sure that, that there was no round hard candy allowed in our house for quite some time and I'm pretty sure that I didn't take any of the, either of the kids to the grocery store by myself for quite some time uh, So all but, but emphasize that it, I mean, just seconds, if we don't have that air, there's, I mean, it's catastrophic, right? Breath means life. To be deprived of it for, for, for just a little bit can, 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 oh man, it just doesn't end well. And, and in scripture, throughout scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit is likened to the very air that we breathe. Actually, the word uh, in, the, in the original language, ruach, means Breath. And that's the same word used for Holy Spirit. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the same thing. He is the breath of God in our lives. In John 20, 22, Jesus is talking to his disciples after his resurrection. Again, we saw it up there and they were, right? Well, he actually said words. It wasn't just that. But uh, uh, it, one of, some of the words that he said, it says in, in, uh, in John that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
in Genesis 2, clear at the beginning of, of Scripture, we see that literally in forming Adam from the dust of the ground, uh, it, it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. In Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel's prophesying to the bones, right? The bones in the valley, and they're rustling and coming together and forming uh, and, and becoming alive. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and it's, as he did all that, it says that he prophesied to the breath that it would come into these bones and make them live. And later in that passage, God explained to Ezekiel what was happening there. And he said, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. The spirit is the breath of God. Holy Spirit breathes his life. It is literally the life of God within us. Just as my, my daughter, two and a half years old, breathed deeply again after that candy was cleared from her airway, we need to breathe deeply of the the spirit, the presence of God in our lives. He is the very air that we breathe. Think about this this air. We also can uh, can think about the wind as well. Jesus referred to to that. Uh, In Acts chapter two, we saw, and and next week we'll talk more about the day of Pentecost, not only the the flaming fire, the tongues of fire, but also uh, a a blowing of a violent wind, it says, accompanied the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Jesus in in chapter three, verse eight, he's talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, the, the leaders of the, the established church at the time. And, and, uh, and he, he's describing the spirit and he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit as wind emphasizes the mysteriousness of how God works. And again, it emphasizes his power. Wind has tremendous power. Having lived in Kansas for over 10 years, uh, I am well aware of the power of wind. Uh, it's exactly like you've seen on the Wizard, well, maybe not quite exactly like seen on the Wizard of Oz, but uh, wind has the power to uproot trees and blow down electric lines and, and can do significant damage to people and property. Uh, maybe I've told you before about a, a pastor friend of mine, Don, who, who experienced the power of wind when a tornado struck Hoisington, Kansas in April 2001 destroyed his house which was actually the church parsonage and uh and also destroyed much of the town and the town's not that big but it it got it good we after that we uh we took a team of students from our church to help with some of the cleanup and and I, it was amazing to see the the storm damage maybe you've been in a in a in a place like i know you've seen it on the news it's it's something different to actually be right there driving the streets uh, after in the wake of of this uh this catastrophe of a of a tornado Buildings without roofs, foundations with no houses, uh, you know, all the things. Don told me uh, about that night and how his family, uh, man, when they realized what was coming and it was, it was right there, right then, they didn't even have time to get to the basement. And uh, so they, they had hidden in a small coat closet on the main floor. I don't think Don uh, would, would care for me to tell you that he's not the smallest man in the world. And, uh, and, and he couldn't fit into this closet along with his wife and teenage daughter. So uh, they went in first and then he stood uh, in the doorway protecting them kind of like this. 
and uh, the, the, the wind whipped through, and, and so his back is, is all exposed to the fury of the storm. And, and he told me that, that he was thanking the Lord that aside from a few bruises, the worst thing he experienced after that storm had passed uh, were, and I'm quoting here, uh, uh, the, the, the thing that he experienced the worst was a monster wedgie, I believe was it, were his actual term. So uh, uh, it, it, uh, the, the, the power of wind. He was spared, his, his family was spared, his, uh, ch- his, his whole house was demolished. Just like fire, the Holy Spirit as wind shows up, uh, shows his power. But, but I don't want you to get the impression the Holy Spirit just whips into our lives like a tornado and destroys everything in his path. Um, his power, he has the power, and it takes a lot of power, he has the power to destroy sin and he gives us power to overcome and face the issues and the trials of life that seem like they're insurmountable. Maybe a great way to think of it is that the Holy Spirit, uh, having the Holy Spirit in our lives is like accessing or harnessing the power of a tornado to be used for, for good. Wind, uh, wind can be uh, a huge source of power. I mean, you, you see the big uh, windmills and all of that, and we know that we're harnessing the power of the wind in that. But but wind doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing again. Uh, it, it also wind brings cooling comfort on a hot day, right? And many times, wind has a cleansing quality to it. A hot, musty room can can be cleansed by a good cross breeze. Uh, uh, waste and debris can be uh, blown about and, and cleaned up by the wind. More than once, I've been thankful for the wind taking care of my raking in the fall. You just wait long enough and there's going to be a storm at some point and now it's the neighbor's problem. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. The Holy Spirit is like a mighty wind, has the power to root out sin in our lives, also to purify and to cleanse. Well, we don't have time to get to the, uh, the, the, the last picture today, uh, so we'll put that on hold till next week. But, but I think... Man, we've given you a lot today, and and I want you to just have these pictures in your mind. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Well, he's like fire. He's, he's, He's like a dove. He's like breath and wind. And in, in saying that, it says so much more, right? He is, he brings peace. And he purifies, and he, and he softens, and he strengthens, and he brings life. And the Holy Spirit is a, is a powerful force at the same time that he is a gentle presence. Those images of, of fire and air and a dove are scattered throughout Scripture, not to confuse us, but hopefully to help us better understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he can do. But again... I don't want to just have you know about the Holy Spirit today. I want you to know the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience his power, to experience his life, his cleansing, his comfort, his peace. Do you know the Holy Spirit? You can. Maybe, maybe we think that that that, that living uh, that, that maybe we think that living in the power of the Spirit is just something for the super spiritual people. God's intention is that all of us would be so filled, so locked in, so in tune with the Holy Spirit that He would be directing our every step. Again, A. W. Tozer from that little book, he says this: "The Spirit-filled life 
is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. So I guess today I just want you to, to maybe grab a hold of one of those images this week and, and, and mull it over. Spend some time in your personal time with God thinking about that fire or that, that, that air or, or, or that dove and, and the significance of that and how God might want to speak to you through that. And then let go of whatever might be holding you back from surrendering to the Holy Spirit in your life today.